What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica, meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Murtada El Fadl. Welcome to Sundays with Kate, the podcast series about the films of Kate Blanchett. This is your host, Murtada El Fadl, and we're back to discuss another Kate Blanchett film. This week, we're discussing her role as the wicked stepmother, Lady Tremaine, in 2015's Cinderella. And my guest for this episode and for this movie is a writer and podcaster, Manish Mathur. Hi, Manish. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie. You have been one of the very first supporters of this podcast <laughs> on social media. Um, and in talking with you, I kind of got that you really like Cinderella. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, it sounds so silly because I'm a 30-year-old, a 31-year-old man, but I love this movie so much. I'm a big, I'm a big Disney fan, uh, especially Disney princess movies, and I grew up on all the classic ones, and so, you know, when this one came out, it felt like such a traditional, you know, princess movie, so I just really loved it, and I've seen it so many times over the last five years or so. And one of the reasons I love it is because, uh, you know, our Miss Kate. So I'm very, very excited to be here with you. And I'm excited to have you. Um, it's why I asked you to be on this episode, because I yeah. know you love the film. Yeah. Um, so Cinderella is directed by Kenneth Branagh. It was released in 2015. And of course... It's based on the story we all know of Cinderella and Prince Charming and how they meet and fall in love. The movie was a huge success. It's one, um, it was one of the big hits of that year. Um, and also it's one of the biggest successes box office wise in Kate's career. Um, she plays, as we said, the wicked stepmother, Lady Tremaine. Ella, what's that on your face? It's ash from the fireplace. Do clean yourself up. You'll get cinders in our tea. I've got a new name for her. Cinderella. I wouldn't bear to look so dirty. Oh, oh, dirty Ella. <laughs> Cinderella. That's what we'll call you. Oh, girls, you're too clever. Wouldn't you prefer to eat when all the work is done, Ella? Or should I say Cinderella? <laughs> The movie premiered at the Berlin Film Festival in early 2015 and a month later was released in theaters in March is where we saw it. And kind of, you know, when I was surprised when I first heard about this movie, first of all, it was in, like all Disney movies, it was in development for a long time and Kate was attached to it for a very long time. She was attached to it. I think the first person attached to the movie was Kate. And then there was like a list of directors and a list of actors to play Cinderella that were not Kenneth Branagh or Lily James. As I was following it, um, at one point they were talking about um, Saoirse Ronan. At another point they were talking about Emma Watson. But anyway, it ended up being Lily James and it ended up being Kenneth Branagh. And my, when the movie premiered at Berlin, which is a strange movie, I think this is the only Disney movie to actually 
premiere at a film yeah. festival. It wasn't in competition, but it was all still at the festival. And then the reviews started coming in. And, you know, I don't expect much out of Disney movies. <laughs> so I was yeah. very surprised when the reviews first started coming. They were very, very positive, And they were really very positive on Kate. Um, and I was like, really? This movie, this performance? Great. Okay, you know what? She's great. She'll be great. I'll see. It. But I think one of the things is like when an actor is hot, they're hot. And this was literally the movie that was the first movie released after Blue Jasmine. And after that year where she won the Oscar yeah. and everything. And um, there was like that Malik movie, A Night of Cups. But, you know, no, that doesn't really count. <laughs> no. so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so I think I was like skeptical because I'm like, is this just because she just won the Oscar and everybody's in love with her? That's why she got this reviews. But once I watched the movie, I got it. She is yeah. pretty great. Do you agree? Oh, totally. I mean, I'm not going to say it's one of her best performances just because, I mean, obviously she's had such an illustrious career and has done so many great things. Um, but it's one of my personal favorites, I think, because you know, not only is she doing that Disney villain thing, but like she gives it so much heart and subtlety that it doesn't feel like you know, like, I mean, there's so many famous actors who are, like, overqualified in, like, the Marvel movies or in Star Wars or in any of these big franchises, and they always just feel like they're slumming it for the paycheck or they're just, like, there's something, like, ironic about, you know, seeing, like, Anthony Hopkins in Thor or whatever. But I think with um, Kate Blanchett's movie, I think she's giving an honest-to-goodness performance, and she is... Like, it doesn't surprise me that she was attached with it, attached to it for so long and that she followed the production through all the development because she seems like she was really invested in giving a good performance here. Like, I think she really gave it really her all. Um, it's such clever casting for her because it lets her have a little fun, you know, and I, I know you talked about Thor Ragnarok and, you know, I do like that movie. I do like that performance, but... I think um, with Cinderella, there's just a little bit more heart from her as an actor than with Thor Ragnarok, because I think that's kind of where she's doing the whole, like, hey, I'm an Oscar winner in a big, silly movie. But here, like, I mean, there's, I think there's such an earnestness to this whole movie and to Kate Blanchett um, that I find really endearing. And it's, like, it's something that these live-action Disney movies um, struggle to capture again, this, just like they're just putting on a good show and they're everyone's so authentic about it in my opinion and i think that's why this movie has really struck with me for so long because it just feels so like like this movie doesn't feel like a cash grab in the way that like beauty and the beast or the lion king or aladdin do mm -hmm. yeah i do agree it it is a movie that stands on its own to your point yeah. like it's not just let's remake it um like there is a lot of care done to it and we will we'll delve into it like the costumes yeah they got sandy powell the best in the business the right. design <laughs> dante ferretti also the best in the business like it's yeah it's really like there's a lot of care and a lot of fantastic genius artists at work mm -hmm. to make it to get it done including Kate. yeah yeah and i really like cannot uh, I really can't imagine anyone else, you know, in the role uh, other than Kate Blanchett. I mean, in any of the performances, I think. I mean, especially Lily James and Kate Blanchett. I really can't imagine anyone else doing these roles. I feel like they really um, 
uh, they put, put their heart into it and they see it. Like this movie has like an element of prestige to it that I, I don't think the other uh, Disney movies, like live action ones, really have that same level of, you know, care and attention. So let's talk about the cast. So Kate is yeah. the wicked stepmother. Um, yeah. As you reminded me funnily on Twitter, Lady Jermaine. <laughs> Lady James is <laughs> Cinderella. Prince Charming is played by Richard Madden. Helena Bonham Carter is the fairy godmother. The Grand Duke, Stellan Skarsgård, and there is also Holiday Granger and Sophie McShare play the Wicked Stepsisters or Lady Tremaine's daughters. Ben Chaplin is Ella's father and Derek Jacobi is the king. So a lot of basically 90% with the exception of Kate, British actors to tell this story. Yeah. Kate as Lady Tremaine, you, if you haven't watched this movie yet, you don't have to wait so much for her. She comes in just before 10 minutes into the movie, coming out of the carriage that drops her at Cinderella's house after she marries Cinderella's dad. The first thing that you see is her cat, Lucifer. And it's a very funny joke immediately because the cat is on leech. And before you see Kate in her Sandy Powell costumed regalia, you hear her voice in clip tones saying how charming, how perfectly charming. So it's a, it's a huge, big star introduction. We know by the way the camera is avoiding the star or the character that this is somebody important to the story, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, um, I always forget that Kate Blanchett gets top billing in this movie in the end credits. And Lily James is second. And I, you know, what, what I love about this version of this movie or the story is that it really feels like a movie about their relationship more so than a movie about, you know, the romance or the makeover or whatever, you know. And um, I think this movie really takes its time to develop, you know, the, real, the relationship that they have together because it's not just that. Like, I, it, like, she doesn't feel like a cartoon villain, like, even more so than the original cartoon version. I think in this movie, it's just, um, there's a lot of, I think, nuance to their relationship in the sense that, you know, it's not just that they, the, step, the step family, you know, picks on her because, you know, she's an easy target. I think they really target her because they sense an innate goodness in her that they really are trying to squash out. I think this movie more so than any other version of Cinderella that I've seen, you know, the cartoon, the, the one with Brandy and Whitney Houston, you know, any of the famous ones, like, I think this movie really zeroes in on the relationship between Lady Tremaine and, and Cinderella. Yeah. In, in a way that feels very, like, complicated. <laughs> yes, I do agree with you. And also, I think this movie gives Lady Tremaine a psychological depth that is usually yeah. not found in any other retellings of Cinderella. And there have been many, you know, animation and live action and just in a lot of, you know, TV, movies, theater. Yeah. Um, and I think there is that scene where she explains herself, which is a scene that g gives Kate... Um, an opportunity to tell us more about Lady Tremaine. And so this version of Lady Tremaine is really governed by her 
economical needs. Like she, she was married, she lost her husband and she found herself sort of destitute. And that's yeah. why she remarries. And, and the film sort of grounds that. And then the performance comes from Kate and gives it even more, more depth. And it is, um, even though in the end she's banished from the kingdom and all of that, which left me sad, but <laughs> it does give us her point of view. Why is she so wicked? Why is she evil? why does she treat Cinderella so bad? It's because she is hurting and she can't um, abide yeah. that somebody so good um, can thrive when she can. Yeah, and I love that this movie is really about sort of the choice of reaction that one might have in face of adversity. Um, and it's one thing that, like, I really, like... <laughs> If you really want to get me going, we should bring up when people talk about this this story having a you know negative uh, portrayal of women because I, I find that to be a very grating argument. But um, I think with this movie, it's like Lady Tremaine and Cinderella actually face very similar situations. You know, they lost you know their connection to economic stability. And they are sort of forced to make their way in this world that is not kind or beneficial to women who are alone. And um, rather, you know, Cinderella makes the choice to face her problems with kindness and courage as, you know, that's the main theme of the movie. And also with a um, level of grace and graciousness and all that. And Lady Tremaine instead chooses to be cruel and... Uh, greedy and selfish and um, manipulative. So, like, I, I, I think the reason why I find their relationship to be the most compelling of the movie mm -hmm. is that, like, they're both actually very similar, but they just choose to react to their situations in completely opposite ways. And Cinderella gets her reward, not because she's being whisked away and rescued by a prince, but just because she's a good person who deserves to have that reward. And her reward is really just the, you know, sense of belonging that she'll get with her new, you know, with her new husband and, and the kingdom and stuff. And Lady Tremaine, I mean, you know, she doesn't get thrown into jail and like that. She gets, she gets displaced, which I think is very, another sort of uh, opposite from Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of it, like we talked a little bit about Kate and we'll talk about her a little bit more, of course. But I want to talk a little bit about Lily James as well because I think it is so hard to play good. To just like, <laughs> if, 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 right. if the task is be good on screen, just be this good person, be kind. It is very hard because that could be really you know, boring, for lack of a better word, but she finds a way to give us this innate goodness. And yeah. I think she's really helped, obviously, by the way she's shot and lit and by the costumes, but also by the, the script. The script is really well written mm -hmm. as, as it comes to Cinderella because there's always these things, like very, very early on, her mom, when she was dying tells her, have courage and be kind, which becomes this mantra that she repeats throughout the movie and that governs every act that she does. So that, to me, was very well, very well done. And then when she meets the prince, um, when he asks her about her family and basically about um, the wicked stepmother and the stepsisters, 
and how they treat her. And she says, they treat me as well as they are able. And that is just shows yeah. you that this woman is so smart and she just gets it. Like, even though she's badly treated, she gets it. But they, they don't know any better and they can't do any better. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, um, this was, I think, probably the first movie I saw with Lily James. And um, I think, uh, you know, I've come to really appreciate her as an actor, you know, of course, with, I mean, Mamma Mia, she's terrific in that movie. And I just saw her in, uh, in Rebecca. And um, I think she has this, like, quality where she just um, always kind of looks like a little lamb, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> in... in <laughs> It was like a little lamb in the field and you just want to like hug her and take care of her. But, but I think she also has this like very like innate strength to her. And, um, you know, the word courage, I think is so interesting because, you know, we always associate courage with like, you know, men who go into battle or men who face monsters, you know, all that men particularly. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, you know, like, I love that quote that you just quoted because like, it shows that, again, she has the courage to make a choice in terms of her reaction to her surroundings. And it's not really a small feat. It's, it's really not. I mean, it would be very easy for Cinderella to be bitter, but uh, bitter, resentful, angry. And, you know, she could order, you know, the prince to throw her family or stepfamily into jail. But instead, she chooses to forgive at the end. So she just has this, like, quality to her. And, you know, uh, Lily James is also such a, like, radiant personality. But just on screen, she comes yeah. across so, like, bubbly and, like, just infectiously charming. So as you were making the list of all the other actors who were in consideration, you know, love Saoirse Ronan. Love, I mean, anyone, I'm sure anyone else would have been great. But, you know, Lily James just has this, like, quality where she just feels like a Cinderella. <laughs> I think she's a little too omnipresent in the culture right now. She's yeah. in too many movies and being asked to be too many other TV yeah, yeah. shows and whatever. So I'm a little off her in 2020. But back yeah. in 2015, I really loved this. And I yeah. was even watching it this week again to talk with you. She's mm -hmm. really great. And like I was saying earlier, you know, I don't want to repeat myself, but playing good is very hard. Yeah. And it kind. Is. It's very hard. Like, I think Kate, the great actor that she is, has the easier part in this movie because she has the delicious lines and she has the the wicked things that she does that are just you know we all love to see and yeah this movie is one of the most memeable kate movies and if you just look for kate memes and gifs, <laughs> there is a lot of her as the wicked stepmother yeah i was just gonna say like this is her most this is kate at her most like gay icon i think <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I mean, Carol, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe maybe second to Carol, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, she has the beautiful costumes and the yeah. walk and there's yeah, yeah. all these things that she does with her shoulders and with her face, how she contorts it and all the witty, the little witticism yeah, that she says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she really does good shoulder work in this movie. I mean, <laughs> like... Kate, like, uh, what I love about Kate Blanchett is how much she, like, uses her body in such unique ways. Like, in every mm -hmm. movie she does, like, she's always doing something with her body that is so, like, you know, like in Blue Jasmine, she's, like, a walking, you know, hangover, I think, sometimes, or, like, a walking headache, and um, and it's so fascinating to watch. And this movie, like, yeah, her shoulder, she just, like, has, like, she's so, um, like, haughty and 
manipulated it so it's so it's like really delicious to watch because she's so like she just comes across so like wicked in a way that, like does. even like <laughs> even a movie like hannah you know which is like a kind of a similar role she's not as viscerally wicked in that like she's very like um cold and restrained in hannah mm -hmm. but in this movie she's like really lets it out and um you know just like every cruel thing she says to cinderella you just like you got to stand it but you also are so like <laughs> it makes you so uncomfortable because you're like why are yeah. you so mean <laughs> she, she's very mean you know when doing research for for this episode i read some interviews where she talked about having while she was playing um, The Wicked Stepmother, she kept thinking of John Crawford. And this is certainly, I think, apparent, not just in the performance, but also yeah. in the hair. Um, yeah, yeah. The hair do they give her and in the costume. She's in a lot of green, which is very uh, famous for being John Crawford's best um, or John Crawford's favorite color. Oh, and wow. then the shoulder pads, of course. She has, you know, big shoulders in everything that she wears in this movie. And the way that she, you know, the clip tones and the way that she moves and, and talks is a little, you can see Joan Crawford in there and like a wonderful inspiration for this, for this performance. Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett, of course, has that like old Hollywood glamour to her. And of course, she played Kate Hepburn famously. And, mm -hmm. but, she um and of course even carol has very like um old hollywood i mean of course it's very 1950s melodrama mm -hmm. inspired but um i feel like even outside of those roles she hardly ever taps into that glamour part of her persona i think because she's sort of the biggest star in this movie she's the most you know acclaimed actor on set probably and she you know lends this movie so much credibility and prestige just by virtue of her being in it right after her oscar it's, she's so glamorous in this movie. I mean, like, Louis James is lit like an angel, of course, because it's the role. But even Kate Blanchett, like, for all wicked she is, the way that Kenneth Branagh, like, frames her and films her is so glamorous because, like, she's someone, like, Lady Tremaine feels like someone who is always perfectly well put together and always looks her best and always has to be the most beautiful person in the room. And... Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so stunning to see Kate Blanchett in a role like that because honestly, like outside of her appearances, you know, on the red carpet and stuff, she hardly ever plays roles that like really utilize her beauty. In fact, I mean, she hides it a lot in a way that is, you know, admirable, of course. It's just so wonderful to see her in like perfect makeup and perfect hair and perfect outfits where she's filmed like Joan Crawford would be filmed. I mean, that's it's really smart that she tapped into someone like Joan Crawford for inspiration. I mean, all those kind of old Hollywood dames, like they really focused on looking their best on screen mm -hmm. at all times. And um, I don't mean that as a, as a knock against them. I think it's, you know, they're always putting in these amazing performances, even while being so concerned with how they look. And I think yeah. Kate Blanchett, you know, being filmed like an old Hollywood star in this movie just makes that character so much richer because it'd be so easy to play like the wicked stepmother as like an ugly like stepmother because, you know, you want to vilify her. Yeah. But in this movie, she's so beautiful and glamorous that it makes that character so much more interesting. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think she really leans into the glamour here in yeah. everything that she does. I want to talk a couple about a couple of scenes um, with you. Did they change how Cinderella meet, meets the prince? Because doesn't Cinderella meet the prince at the ball? In this version, she meets him 
um, out in the woods when she's just riding her horse. Yeah, yeah. I think in the cartoon version, she definitely does not meet the prince until the ball, at least. If, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of, like, modern ones, as modern as in, like, the last 20 years, like, they give the prince, like, some more scenes in the beginning just to make the romance feel more believable. Like, mm-hmm. I remember in the Brandy musical version, if I remember correctly, the prince disguises himself as, like, a commoner and goes into the village, and he, that's where he meets Brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they share, like, a little flirtation. And in this movie, they meet in the forest, and they, like, talk a little bit there. I think probably because they got someone who is somewhat... I mean, I don't know. Richard Madden's, like, not totally famous, but, like, he's well-known enough that they, they probably wanted to give him a little bit more screen time. And also, again, to make the romance feel more believable... So I think audiences now won't, they would not accept, you know, the prince showing up at the ball and then it's instant, like, love at first sight. It's just not that believable. Yeah. So totally. I think, yeah, like, I think just to give the romance a little bit more push and to show that, like, there's an actual connection there, not just that he's Prince Charming and going to, like, whisk her off. Yeah. And also it, it gives the story a little bit more heft. Um, mm-hmm. because to your point about uh, making the love story believable instead of just she's falling in love with him because he's the prince she doesn't know he's the prince yeah. he's just some dude she likes that she met in the woods and also like there's this parallel between the two of them uh, they're both kind of trapped in their circumstances you know he's uh, he's kind of a, you know lo- like locked in a golden cage kind of thing where he's you know, has so much pressure from his responsibilities as, you know, the prince who's going to become the king soon. And, you know, he has his arranged marriage. So they, they also have that connection of they're both in these circumstances where they're not allowed to be free. And yeah. she much more literally and he kind of figuratively. Yes. And there is, you know, between Lily James and Richard Madden, like you feel it, they have this easy chemistry, the way they look at each other. They give the romance, the sweet, and of course you need it, because otherwise the movie doesn't work. And it really works because they're so into each other. Another scene that I really liked is early on is, you know, after we introduced to Lady Tremaine, the first scene where she shows us her wicked ways, where she sits with Cinderella after her father. He's still alive at at that point but he has gone away and she, they sit down and talk and she basically makes Cinderella give up her room. So this is like a very, a very famous moment in the lore of the Cinderella story is like how the Cinderella become, you know, the servant girl in the house. And so it starts in that scene where Cinderella sweetly offers her bedroom to the sisters um, because her bedroom is bigger and and Lady Tremaine immediately takes that on and she's like, well, yes, you'll move to the attic. Um, and yeah. So that scene to me dramatizes sort of like the the relationship between these two and how it pushes that, it pushes Cinderella to where we all expect her to be, but I think in a smart way and the way that they both play it and the way it's written, it's like Cinderella is being the kind the good person that she is, and Lady Tremaine is taking advantage. It's a very smart way of doing that. I think they're finding the sleeping quarters rather confining. Oh, my bedroom's the biggest besides yours and father's. Perhaps they'd like to share it. What a wonderful idea. What a good girl you are. <laughs> well, I can stay in this. the attic. 
Quite so. The attic? Yes. Oh, only temporarily. While I have all the other rooms redecorated. The attic's so nice and airy. You'd be away from all of our fuss and bother. It'd be even more cosy if you kept all this bric-a-brac up there with you. Keep you amused. Yeah, it really gets at the um, manipulation that Lady Tremaine is is kind of doing because it, it actually reminded me of Tangled, which is another uh, movie where the villain is more manipulative than outright villainous. And it, mm -hmm. to me, it's a little bit more effective to... Um, to have Lady Jermaine be so um, manipulative and giving a lot of backhanded comments and like the the scene when uh, Cinderella is like trying to choose, sit down with them to eat and Lady Jermaine says, oh, you know, we, we couldn't expect you to, you know, make make the meal, serve it to us and, and also eat with us. Like, wouldn't you rather eat after all the work is done? And the kind of, it's like the kind of thing where like you're so taken aback by the comment that you can't even respond and you just do what you're told and just like it's like these like little things like that that just like twist the knife so much so much or so little at a time that you don't realize that like Cinderella has become a servant but the great the cool thing about Cinderella I think sometimes the story makes her out to be such a um like a doormat in a way, but I think in this movie, like she registers the treatment that she's having um, and chooses to act in the way that she chooses to act. There's so much psychological going on here, you know, with the manipulation and the sort of the resilience that Cinderella shows. So, Manish, what is? Um, do you have a favorite Kate Blanchett line reading in this movie? <laughs> oh wow. Um, <laughs> You know, as uh, as cheesy as it sounds, I really love her 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 monologue towards the end. It's like half another manipulative gesture of trying to you know gain some sympathy and power, but also it feels very genuine. Just every time she says the word like servant girl, <laughs> it's like she says it with such venom and such like uh, like in such a like mocking way. It's so yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm just like, I was like, man, I wish I could get away with being so, like, sweetly mean to people. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite line is, just because it's such a famous line, and it's also, like, we know Cinderella. Cinderella goes to the ball. Yeah, yeah. stepmother doesn't want her to go to the ball. So I think that scene right before the fairy godmother appears, when mm -hmm. she's like, mark my words, you shall not go to yeah, the ball. Yeah, that's like I classic. love that. Yeah, she's, it's so good. It's such a, like... It's such a classic moment, um, but it's, she's like, she nails it so well. It, now mark my words, you shall not go to the ball. This isn't really line reading, uh, but it is like a specific moment. I think, so my theory when I watch this movie is that like Lady Tremaine clocks it that it was uh, Cinderella at the ball, like that Cinderella's a mystery princess, like almost uh -huh. immediately. Because she just like gives this like look to... Cinderella while the stepsisters are talking about it and um it's such a like knowing piercing look and it's mm. like it, it really sends like shivers down my spine so I'm like oh my god she knows and she's plotting something to take to make to, to take advantage of this situation and it's such a classic Kate Blanchett look because she's given that look so many times and throughout her career and um, it's really just so effective. I mean, I love that she tries to like somewhat negotiate with Cinderella to be like, hey, you can marry your prince, I don't care, but 
you know, I want to be the head of the head of the kingdom and I want to send my daughters off to marry, you know, dukes or whatever. So, you know, Kate Blanchett, I, one of my favorite things about her is that she, you can always see her mind working as the character. And I really feel like she does that so well in Cinderella. She's always thinking of her next move and always trying to turn any situation to her advantage. And it's pretty great. I mean, I love it. <laughs> yeah, she's great in this film. And also, yeah. one of the scenes that I also wanted to talk about, and she's great in, is the scene with the Grand Duke played by Stellan Skarsgård. So yeah, this yeah. Is the King's Vice or something like that. Something, anyway. yeah. So somebody high in the, in the kingdom. Um, but he's the other villain of the piece. He's the one who sort of brokers a marriage for the prince with a princess from a neighboring kingdom or he's the politician. And yeah. so she goes to tell him that the woman that the prince loves, she knows who she is and they scheme together. She's like, I won't tell anyone as long as you make me a countess and yeah. find advantageous marriages for my daughter. And that scene is very, it also has one, uh, my favorite Kate moments when when he asks her, "Are you threatening me?" and she says with this huge smile on her face, "Yes, of course." <laughs> <laughs> like she is threatening him, but also she's all smiles and she does it in this seductive way. It's yeah, a very yeah. nice uh, note. It's like there's so many like scenes like that where it's just like, oh man, this is why Kate Blanchett wanted to do this role, like. You know, like, she doesn't need to do a Disney movie at all. Like, she, she, you know, she's very, you know, she's a thriving career. But it's like she gets these little moments of just, like, these, like, meaty scenes where she can just, like, really play so many different things at once. And it's like, yeah, of course, like, who wouldn't want to play, you know, this role with this great writing and, you know, have the Disney budget and the Disney costumes and stuff and just, like, like all her line readings have, like, four different meanings. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about, like, this is not just a fun comedic performance. Like, yes, she hits all the comedic kind of. Yeah. Absolutely. All the line deliveries, all the big Yeah, movies. yeah. But also there is, you know, like, a sort of sadness. Like, I think one of the most affecting moments for me was when Cinderella and her dad are talking early in the movie and he and she says that she's always thinking of her mom and, he's, and he agrees that he is also thinking of her mom and yeah. then the camera pans to lady tremaine eavesdropping on that conversation and the way her face falls mm -hmm. um like they're newly wed at that point and he's still thinking of his long dead wife and i mean honestly like you could do a movie from her perspective and like kind of see um like why she turns out the way she does i mean not only did she lose her first husband and all her money but then she marries some guy who's like in love with a ghost yeah. And like has to put, and that guy dies. Yeah. And so she has to put up with, you know, another another woman in the house. You know, they mentioned dowry in this movie. Like I can imagine, like it's kind of similar to like a South Asian thing culture where you know the like your daughters are seen as burdens because you have to marry them off, and you know they don't have the same like financial prospects as you know a countess account or account accountants would. Mm -hmm. She kind of is in a really tough spot. It's, I think, to Kate Blanchett's credit that she can play all these emotions and make you hate the character while sympathizing with her, while feeling compelled to watch her, while also hitting these comedic beats. I don't think I would consider this performance campy. I mean, it has camp elements to it, but I think she's mm. putting in so much heart into it that it feels too, like, genuine to be, you know, true camp. Yeah, I, mean, I think about that. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's complete camp because there yeah. is um, there is a sort of realness to it. Like, yeah. like camp has to be. It doesn't have to be, but camp is usually a little bit false. And yeah. there are a lot of notes in this performance that are not false at all. That yeah, sort yeah, of like, exactly. Um, hint at um, real emotion. Generally love Cinderella. I think it's a good... Of all the Disney movies, I agree with Manish and what you said earlier, is that it's the best <laughs> of all the live-action Disney. Don't ever mention Beauty and the Beast. That was atrocious. <laughs> Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, I mentioned earlier that the movie premiered at the Berlin Film Festival. Kate is so great at the red carpet, and that was one of her best red carpet moments when she went to the Cinderella premiere at the Berlin Film Festival in this Givenchy dress that was gorgeous, but also one of the um, indelible photos, at least to me, of that red carpet was her fixing Lily James's dress, <laughs> uh, which is a a very cute photo. I'll link to it in the notes um, of this part so everybody can, can see it. But it's a beautiful photo that shows the, just the position of this relationship. Yes, she's wicked in the movie, but maybe she's kind. I mean, you know, ever since, ever since you said this on the podcast, I can't not think of it. But, like, I don't think any male actor could have the same level of chemistry or... Um, camaraderie with Kate Blanchett that she has with her female actors. Like, all of her best co-stars had been, you know, women. Rooney Mara, Sarah Paulson, Sally Hawkins, you know, Sandra Bullock and Judy Dench, and Judy Dench you know, <laughs> Lily James. I think she just reminds me of, she just like has the, I just have this image of her as a actress who loves other actresses and loves to act alongside them and you know, there's so many actors that I want her to work with because I think she would be so terrific with them. Um, so that picture is just another expression of this thing where it's like, you know, Kate is a woman's actor. You know, she really yeah. is. Totally. So that was actually going to be one of my questions to you. Who would you like to see Kate work with? Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of answers that I haven't heard on your podcast before. I would, I would love to see her do like a comedy with, like more comedic actors like like I mean I loved her with Sandra Bullock even though I'm not a huge Ocean's 8 fan but you know just just to see her in like I just want to see her in like mainstream studio movies because I think mm. it's just kind of fun to see her do that like I'd love to see her in a movie with like Melissa McCarthy or like Rose Byrne or like any of any of those like Kristen Wiig I mean I guess she was in um yeah but like I just like love seeing that because like I think she's Kate Blanchett seems like a very fun person in real life for all of her like serious, you know, performances. Yeah. Um, she seems like a very fun person to be around. Like, I mean, the Ocean's 8 uh, publicity tour was like the most iconic thing I've ever seen. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> so, like, I want to see her do more stuff like that. Um, I would love to see her with Melissa McCarthy and like not, I mean, not in a, you know, Melissa McCarthy goes serious kind of role, but like, you know, she could play the villain in, like, Spy 2 or something like that, you know, where she can yeah. just, like, let loose and, like, curse and trade jokes with, you know, actors and do pratfalls and physical comedy. I think she'd be really good at that. And I think she'd have a lot of fun because, like, oh, she seems like a fun lady. Yeah, I agree. A comedy would be, would be great. And yeah. all those actors and actresses you mentioned would be amazing yeah. to see her with. So if I were to ask you to do a top three, right now of Kate performances, your favorite Kate 
performance is. Okay, uh, number one would be Carol, because, like, Carol's Carol. <laughs> yeah. um, that's such a cliche answer for this podcast, but I gotta stick to my truth. <laughs> Uh, number two, oh, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's favorites, then I'm going to say number two is Cinderella. And uh, number three, um, it would be a tie between Blue Jasmine and uh, I'm Not There. I love her performance in that movie. Yeah. You know, I, sh- I wish she would do, like, I mean, I totally understand, like, what that movie was going for. But, like, just, I would love to have seen her do a full biopic. <laughs> Uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be really interesting. Um, and you know, honestly, like I'm not there. It was probably the first time that I really like registered her as like, okay, this is like an icon. Like, I was like, this is a legend, legendary mm-hmm. town, you know. And because yeah. I was kind of late to the Kate Blanchett party, you know. Um, so I think. Yeah, like, uh, I'm not there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's such a great movie in general. Mm-hmm. And I think she's doing a lot of interesting things there. And I, I would love to see her get, like, really weird like that again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so you said you were late to Kate Blanchett. Do you remember sort of um, the first time you noticed her? Was it I'm not there or was there something else before that? Um, I mean, I'm sure that it was Lord of the Rings just by, was like, I mean, I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy, so I... Um, don't really remember her in those movies. Uh, I imagine that she had a very small part. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, like, I think the first movie I must have seen her was, like, Elizabeth the Golden Age, because that came out my freshman year of college. Um, but even then, like, it really wasn't until Blue Jasmine where she became, like, one of my favorite actors. Not just, not because, like, I didn't like her before, but that was just a movie that just, I mean, I think that movie really catapulted her to, like, a different level mm-hmm. of acclaim. So, and that's when I really went back to watch a lot of her older movies, like Notes on a Scandal, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the first movie, where I, the first few movies I remember seeing her, where I was it was registering to me, like, what a unique talent she was. And so you, who is your favorite Kate scene partner? You know, as much as I hate to say anything good about a Woody Allen movie these days, I love her with Sally Hawkins. Yeah. Because I think they have such a, like, prickly chemistry, but there's such a, like, there's such a, like, thorniness to their relationship and to their chemistry, but also they were able to capture that feeling of, like, siblings who just, like, get along even if they're, like, fighting. Or, like, even when they clash, there's that, like, sibling thing there. Mm-hmm. So I really love them together. Um, you know, her, of course, Sarah Paulson, um, you know, yes, in, of in, in Carol and, you know, real life. <laughs> um, like, and <laughs> in real life, I love that. <laughs> I mean, there was that one interview, I think, I think it was either on Ellen or the Today Show, it's one of those where they were just like laughing. The Today Show is the yes. one, yeah. <laughs> As if they had just, like, had sex in the, like, green room and then came on stage and were giggling about it. Like, I don't know what they were smoking or drinking before, but, I mean, it was just, like, but it's just, like, it doesn't, it felt, it felt so, like, genuine where I'm, like, I actually believe that these people are, like, real-life friends, you know? Yes. Like, every, like, people put, like, they put on the act for the publicity and then you don't really hear about it, but... Um, I'm like, you know, okay, let's get Sam, let's get Sarah Paulson away from Ryan Murphy. <laughs> yes, bring her into your prestige hold and get her away from like Netflix and FX. Yeah, they should do a series <laughs> of movies together. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, really. Um, so I love that, and 
another interview, another fun interview that they did. I don't know if you saw that. They did um, an Instagram live during yeah, Mrs. Yeah. America. I, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Or parts of it. Um, that I remember that being too. like a very a huge thing on gay Twitter. <laughs> yes, because Gate said she's a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she defies all labels for sexual orientation, you know. Everyone is attracted to Kate Blanchett regardless of what your orientation is. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I do ask this question, but I think maybe you've already answered it. Um, I ask people, like, when Kate is somebody who's really rated well or rightly rated, but is there a performance that you like that you think other people don't like, where you think she was maybe underrated? Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think of like all the, like all my sort of favorite roles from her. And I think that a lot of the ones are the ones that I feel like are properly have that level of prestige and, uh, they don't need me to like, probably want to say the aviator because I feel like a lot of people don't really like that movie. I mean, I love the aviator. It's like one of my favorite Scorsese movies, like top five. But she won the Oscar. I don't think. I know. I know. That's the thing. Like she won the Oscar for it. So I feel like it's just like that little. There's like I know there's like little pockets of people who don't like that movie. Yes. Um, some people think that the performance is just mimicry, and it's way beyond that. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, yeah. a lot there to it. Honestly, I'll give a shout out to her in um, Ocean's Eight because I think she's doing some pretty fun stuff there. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like good to see her in a sort of like mainstream movie and let her like have some fun, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's really cool to see her with uh, people like Sandra Bullock. Also, you know, where to go Bernadette. I don't like that movie, but I think she's doing some, all of her monologues to Manjula. <laughs> I'm a big fan of. Yeah, those scenes are great. Yeah, They're I think great. like, honestly, I would love for that to have been like a one-man show of just her talking to a non-existent <laughs> assistant. <laughs> so um, fun. Yeah, that would have been so Because fun. like when the movie leaves that house, that's when it really falls apart for me. Um, go with Ocean's Eight and, and Manjula. Manjula. Manjula monologue. Yeah. <laughs> and Manish, so you in your podcast did an episode on Carol. So tell people where they can find that. Yeah. So um, I co-host a podcast called Queer Now with uh, Dave Giannini. And we talk about a queer film from every year going back and forth. So we started with the 2010s. And we talk- of course, we had to talk about Carol. One of my favorite episodes that we have done because Carol is so much fun to talk about. Um, and you can find that on uh, Twitter at QueerNotPod and also pretty much where you can find most podcasts. It'll be there. Um, and right now we're going through the 1930s um, and then um, we're going to jump back to the 2000s. So we're kind of going back and forth, you know, uh, just to make it a little interesting and um, you could also find my other podcast, uh, to you, which is on Twitter and also where, uh, you find most podcasts and that's about romantic comedies. And, um, I don't, yeah, Kate and I was not, on, uh, yeah, you were there talking about four weddings and a funeral, another great episode that I've done. I love that episode. That was um, so much fun coming to talk about that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, such a great idea to have a podcast about romantic comedies. I you know what? There really aren't as many as as there are, like, horror podcasts. So I'm like, someone's got to put in the work to talk about romantic comedies in a fun and interesting way. So I'm really glad that, um, I'm glad that you're on it and I'm thankful that you invited me here. 
Yeah, of course. And you were such a wonderful guest. I'm so happy to have you to talk about Cinderella. And before we go tell our listeners, you talked about your podcast, but where they where can they find you and your writing work? Yeah, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Dominish89. That's T-H-E-M-A-N-I-S-H-89. And my writing, I write for Talk Film Society and a bunch of other places. I'm kind of uh, been floating around doing freelance, so... Um, you can most everything you want to find from me is on Twitter, so that's the best place to go. Thank you, Manish. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at me underscore sad, or follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays We Skate. All previous episodes of the podcast are available at sundayswiskate.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thank you. <laughs>